Hey guys, welcome to episode one of Search for Truth. I'm your host, James Wagner, and our first guest on the show is Paul Moorhead Jr. He's the teacher of the podcasting class, so it's, a, it's an appropriate starting point of where we're going with this. Conversations with him are always super awesome, on and off the mic, uh, so I'm really grateful that we got to hit record for this one. Uh, I think you guys will really enjoy it. We went a lot longer than we planned, which is always a good thing, and welcome to the show. What is the most, I think for you, like what is the most needed area of your life to like, to need, like needed to, to focus on right now? Like what is the thing that you're focused on most? Focus on most right now? Yeah, yeah. Like your most, your highest target. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like what I was sharing with you earlier. Like right now, a big focus of mine is like deliberate manifestation is like abundance mindset. Mm. Um, really working out like those limiting beliefs and just pulling them out at the root. Mm. But what I find is the more I work on that, the more my priorities seem to be clear, Mm. which is like I told you when I was doing that visualization, Mm. every time I would like imagine some sort of abundance thing, Mm -hmm. my perfect relationship would appear every Mm. time. Mm. And I've noticed my own like mental health issues lately because of just everything that's going on is a direct result of isolation. Uh, a direct result of yeah. lack of communication, connection, love, physical touch, all of that. Right. So for me right now, it's like prioritizing what my own physiology is telling me. Yeah. And it's telling me in no uncertain terms <laughs> that connection is the highest priority yeah. right now. Yeah. It's like not even my choice at this point. It's like, okay, I need to just listen and do it. Like... Mm. Because it's just so loud at this point, mm. you know? I mean, these last couple of days, to be honest, like, I've just been fucked. Like, my body was in tons and tons of pain. Wow. Like, horrible pain. I've had wow. migraines and this intense neck pain. Oh, man. The second I was around people, all of it went away. Instantly. Gone. Yeah. Like, yeah. again, no uncertain terms <laughs> of what's, like, occurring. Yeah. So, for me, it's recognizing and not resisting... Mm the actual priority of mm. life. Mm-hmm. And I've been um, researching a lot of Teal Swan. She's oh, yeah. a spiritual know, teacher. Swan, yeah. yeah, and yeah. her most recent or second most recent book, she's just about to release a new one, so I don't know if to call that her most recent or not, yeah. um, The Anatomy of Loneliness. Oh, wow. And wow. in that book, it's about like understanding that the highest human need mm. is connection. Mm. It's across the board. And the fact that we've been so obsessed with um, independence, it's like become an epidemic, like literally an epidemic of loneliness to where people will feel isolated in groups. Oh, man. <laughs> Story of my life. Because say I'm, I'm seeing recognition. Story of my life. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I can speak to that for sure. I mean, do you have a particular solution like i'll tell you right now the one thing that is working for me is dance mm, you know you i go to that. dance twice a week no matter what no matter what yeah i feel horrible like I, and i'm also playing i'm also djing like you know occasionally so i need to sort of be available for that but like mm. i think it was la- two weeks ago that i actually just learned that I, I was feeling like I was missing the quality of physical touch. Yeah. And there was a friend who brought a friend from out of town and we just instantly connected. There was something in her 
that like I recognized that was very Whoa. I don't meet a lot of people like this. Like there was like a recognition. I knew exactly I felt comfortable around her. I knew exactly how to like treat her with kindness and respect and boundaries, like healthy Whoa, boundaries yeah. and not feel weird or jealous or like anything around, you know, like because it wasn't that kind of effect. It wasn't that kind of interaction. It wasn't that kind of a, like affection. I barely know the person. Mm. But one of the things I recognize is we danced and it wasn't even the dance, but the attention, you know, the attention on me in that moment, in that present moment Whoa. was so healing that I came away with that. And I just went nuts. Like after that dance, I just like became an animal and like all my energy just like, <laughs> like exploded on the dance floor. And I just like went into animal mode. Right. <laughs> and, and then, and then it happened again later with the, with the woman who was completely non, uh, like was, was socially distancing, spatially distancing. Mm, and we okay. would, she, she just wouldn't come close, but we still did energy stuff, like energy contact oh, improv. Cool. Yeah. And I thought like, that's not really going to be that, that nice or like that, you know, it's going to be more difficult without that yeah. element of actual physical touch. But it was really kind of amazing to sort of put it simply, like I actually got a lot out of that and I was able to respect her more and see her more clearly and, and still hold that presence. And so there was something in that, like for me, it was like, I didn't need what I thought I needed, which was like a intimate partner to like be able to go really deep with and like keep that level of, hold that level of connection and safety. But it was actually like something I could do in a public setting where there isn't as many stigmas around, you know, like partner dancing or contact improv or these sorts of things or like, they're sort of allowed and expected. And it was really healing to just have those moments, you know? And so yeah. I'm feeling like for me in particular, in particular, that was a lot easier. It was just a lot easier to access because whenever I think of it, like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm single I'm 35, like what the fuck? Like I have, you know, so many friends of mine that are like married with kids. Yo, with, you real. know, I'm just like, come on. <laughs> Come on, universe, like, what is this game we're playing here? You keep throwing these weird mm -hmm. curveballs at me and, you know, keep getting my heart broken. It's like, how many times is this going to happen? And so I just, like, recognize that I don't need to look at it. I don't need to look at it from that angle. Like, if I just look at it from where mm -hmm. I'm at and start creating connection and, and, like, building a relationship with myself around connection, around the kind of connection that I can get, there's a much greater trajectory of, of like self-worth that I'm finding mm. that's happening. And you don't like need it to show up in a certain way. Exactly. It's showing exactly. up how it's showing up. Exactly. And yeah. you're like not resisting yeah. whatever that is. Exactly. And like embracing yeah. it. Whoa. And thriving with it. Whoa. Being like, this is actually really fun. <laughs> like I'm actually able to play now again Dude. with that space. And I'm not like, I, I, I'm shy. Like I am the last person who's going to like ask the you know, the cheerleader out. Like I was sure, like the sure. shyest kid in my class, like for the most part. Really? Yeah. In a lot, oh, wow. a lot of ways I was, I was really insecure and like, yeah, I just didn't have the, the, the level of self-awareness to know that I could actually change that dynamic. That sensitivity was actually a good thing that I could harness. Mm. I, I thought it was such a curse that I was so hard on myself for, for being that way. For being what way? Just like hyper, hyper aware 
you know, sensitive of other people's emotional states, mm-hmm. sensitive of things that, you know, that I would say or do that would affect other people and how, oh, it, would, how it would affect them before I would even say or do those things. Just like being very, very, very hyper vigilant with my level of interaction with people and based on how they would receive that interaction and mm. treat me as a result. Like I was like, I would like make up whole stories about why Whoa. I shouldn't ask this girl out. And what, you know, da, 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 like all yeah. these reasons, right? But ultimately I came down to my own sensitivities in life and uh, yeah. And just having a different relationship with those, I think, has been huge. A different relationship with the sensitivities yeah, itself. With, wow. this, with my being sensitive. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, and the ability to harness that rather than hmm. um, need to heal it. Oh, need to do something with heal it. it. Yeah, yeah, Quote, yeah. Air quotes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> need to change yeah. who I am. Oh, wow. Need to do something about it, you know? And that's so, that's such a parallel from what you were just saying with the relationships too, needing yeah. it to be a certain way other than what it really is or how it's showing up. Yeah. It's like yeah. the same. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the same in every field in my life. Yeah, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Which is so common though, isn't it? Like right. people going through those kinds of things, mm. like needing it to be a certain way, show up a certain way, or sometimes in my opinion worse is right. forcing it to be a certain oh, way yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah yeah that spells so much trouble mm-hmm. consistently mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah i think there's a good uh there's a good sort of relationship that we cultivate when we're able to either accept something be willing to change it or walk away from it to know that we have options. Oh, interesting. You know, yeah. rather than have thinking it hat like to think you only have one choice in a situation. <laughs> it's such a such a difficult place to be. Yeah. You either walk away if it doesn't feel good. Yeah. Or you put your subject to yourself. You subject yourself to the situation that doesn't feel good. So you can either grow or so you can kind of like get on the same page or work something out, depending on what it is. Right. Yeah. There's always a third option. It's yeah. always a third option. At least. Yeah, at least. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I was listening to um, Bre- Brene Brown oh, speak, cool. yeah. actually, just recently. Yeah. And she was doing this massive study. I had no idea she was such, like, an intense, research-focused scientist. I had no idea she was on that level. Oh, like, wow. Yeah. It's intense. Yeah. I mean, she is, like, a proper research scientist, right. like, at the highest level really impressive stuff so yes. Yes. I was noticing she was like trying to find what's the commonality between all people who are like the most compassionate in the world and like the kindest and the most loving and the most giving it's like what is the what's the common ground here and she was like interviewing all these people around the world who would fit that bill like monks I mean the top of the top who like devote their lives to compassion yeah. and the singular commonality was ironclad boundaries. You've heard that before. Uh, No, I listened to that same, I actually listened to that same episode. And it blew my mind as well. I know, it's like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's such an interesting thing to think about because I feel like the boundary thing, it's it's sort of counterintuitive when you're on a spiritual path. It's sort of like, why would I want to shut off or close out somebody 
Isn't that not loving? <laughs> right. Isn't that not what, you know, like you would do when you're trying to embrace the world and right. like kind of unify and incorporate others' teachings into yourself? Like why would you cut and shut off something, right? And I took, I, like, what's your opinion about it? Because, like, I have, I, I would have to really kind of unravel my own logic around it. See, for me, it was exactly how you phrased it. Mm. I would just alter a little bit. Mm. So you're like, how, like, is it loving to cut off this or that? Well, yeah. let's, let's take that on a deeper level. Okay. Is it loving to cut yourself off from yourself? Because that's what you're doing when you're allowing somebody to cross your boundaries, when you're allowing somebody to abuse you in some way. I see. You, it's self-betrayal now. Okay. It's like, we don't want to betray others. We want to, them to be like totally open and honest and vulnerable and like allow that kind of bridge to be there. Yeah, yeah. But the relationship with self yeah. is the highest relationship yes. and therefore it's the highest betrayal. And so what's the distinction though? What's the distinction when you, how would you know when you're, when you're, when you're, because to me, there's like a learning that happens when you're open mm-hmm. and when you're open to somebody else's ideas and, and, you know, and belief systems and you're just learning. You're just in a process of learning. So when does a boundary, like, how do you know when you, yeah. when someone's crossing a boundary? I mean, I know how I know. Yeah. But like, how do you, how, how would one, how would one know? Uh, well, what I go through with my clients actually is to understand boundaries. Um, boundaries could be defined as a sense of self. Mm. Like, mm. I am this, I am not that. And <laughs> so that, but that's still kind of nebulous. That's still kind of like, mm-hmm. if you're not super into these kinds of things, mm-hmm. then that's really hard to be actionable. That's hard to work with yeah. in actual tangible reality. Right. So the way that you know, the data you get mm. with that understanding mm. is your feelings. It's very, very simple. Okay. When you feel powerless, when yeah. you feel put upon, when right. you feel like, Oh, I'm at this party and I don't want to be here. You're now cro- you're now violating your own boundaries okay. because you went to that party that was against this feeling that you're experiencing. Now, where it gets a little sticky is, for example, um, again with coaching and just like with with some people, mm. they will say some like horrifically hurtful things. Yeah, and I have to make a choice to like be able to hold a space and not take it personally. Right. But that also kind of shows you where you are and where your boundaries truly are. Okay. It's like if you can kind of hear that thing and you look at them and you're like, wow, who hurt you so badly that you need to hurt me in order to heal? Yeah. But if you're just saying it and it's bullshit and you're actually like, fuck you and I'm pissed that you said this thing and I don't want to hear it, then that's where you really are. And yeah. that's your boundary. I see. Yeah. I see. So, so it's, it's kind of like authenticity. Yeah. Like recognizing your own truth yeah. in the moment, which changes probably very quickly yeah it does um, yeah especially in these high pressure situations like you're speaking to yeah. like, like in a therapy session or in a relationship or whatever it is like yeah. you get these moments where you know and I, I like personally i feel like it's it's a it's a responsiveness to the body's knowing mm. whether you're abusing your authority in the moment authority over like you know, it's it's like the it's like the authority over your own like uh, self to be um, to be present and unshakable and in your sp- and in your truth and in your moment. But then when a boundary is crossed, it can often lead to you know instability, anger, 
you know, reactiveness, repressiveness, like all these things can come out in that moment, right? And it's like, those are the results of the boundaries being crossed. But the boundaries, like, like, how do you know (laughs) when when the boundary is being crossed? I think it's a very physiological thing. It is. Feel it in your body somewhere. Mm -hmm. It becomes like, oh, that doesn't feel good, like, but I'm still going to, you know, sit with that or like not acknowledging that feeling. So like, it's really unusual because I think I feel it usually like it's got, it's like getting the wind taken out of me. Mm. Like I kind of got energetically kicked in the gut or like kicked in the something, you know? Yeah. And I just like, yeah, yeah. Hard, it's like hard to like, <laughs> yeah. to breathe. It's hard to feel free anymore. I feel like, exactly. uh, like I'm confined, like I'm protecting myself. Yeah. I think those are the types of situations uh, where I can certainly tell that my boundaries have been crossed and so what to do about it you know like at that point i guess that's where we're talking about a minute yeah. ago like there's choices to be made yeah right? exactly and really the a big part of that is the identification process itself mm, mm. knowing that a boundary was even crossed mm. most people are mm. violating their own boundaries and allowing people to violate their boundaries on such a regular basis okay the identification is now impossible oh because it's their norm. Wow. And so if that's your normal reality, how can you pick it out from, there's no contrast there. Wow. It's just your experience in life. Dang. And so it's like, because yeah. cause what I was hearing you say, you're like, it's this physiological response. I kind of have this constricted feeling and you know, your body language is sh- literally showing constriction yeah. while you were talking about right, it. Right, right. And hmm. that, but you know, how long did it take you to figure that out? Like how many situations were you in where your boundaries were horrifically violated with without your knowledge. Yeah. You know? Sure. So it's that identification that is so crucial. Because if you know you're not going to allow it to happen, you're like, oh, no, this is not okay. Yeah. That's literally all a boundary is. Yeah. This is not okay. Right. So it's an identification it. with the feeling Yeah. In, a, in reference to something that's other than you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So exactly. You, but you need that reference point. Exactly. And so without that reference point, there's like... There, everything is kind of merged with your sensory experience. Yeah. I Meaning like I walk around a lot of times and this is probably from years of meditation as well mm. with a certain sense of like, if I'm really honest, it's like a certain sense of like ambiguity as to who this is, as to what this oh, is, yeah. as to what any of this is, this body, right. this sense of self, this ego, especially. I don't identify with any of those things, mm. but I see them and I recognize that other people see them. And so it's very easy to play that game where I'm playing with other people's perception of that. But then there's also the sense that, oh wait, no, like this is also, this is also a part of, of who I am, of what I am made of, right? Like I am awareness, but I'm also a body and I'm also, you know, a sense of an ident- individual and all these things. Yeah. It's like, I know ultimately I am not those things, but I know that I have to protect those things in order to be more capable of living in the world. Because otherwise, you know, you're just walking around as like some sort of, I don't know, like self-aware blob of like (laughs) human flesh that like can get into all kinds of trouble, you know? Like you really do need to take care of this, this body, this, you know, sense of whatever. And, uh... I think it's very interesting because I think my my experience is probably a little un, maybe a little unusual, but like I do recognize when something has crossed 
a boundary for this body and this mm. body needs to uh, either either enforce that somehow like by bringing it to the awareness of someone else or bring or leaving oh, yeah. like literally removing myself from the situation or just being aware of it inside myself like if it's something not very big just like like you said identifying it be like like oh this is not okay yeah this is not okay yeah it's not okay for this Paul for this person this individual <laughs> like nope yeah step out of there um yeah it's good it's really it's really important yeah it is hmm. and it's so funny too because people are so used to like not having boundaries and like having them violated and violating their own on such a regular basis mm-hmm. that I've noticed a lot which mm. at a certain I've kind of gotten to a certain stage where I can observe it so clearly it's like mm. almost comical it's not comical. It's very like real issues that people are going through, but yeah. they will get furious uh. that you're not like that you're telling that like that you're putting up a boundary. They'll get furious that you're not letting them violate a boundary, or strange, more strangely, right. violating their boundaries. Mm. They're like at some point it's like no, you need to be treating me in this way or that way, oh. and it's like oh, wow. and it gets oh, wow. so sticky. Yeah, yeah. You know, because of this paradigm. And furthermore, it's not just that people are doing this randomly on accident. It's how we're taught to be. It goes to this whole idea of you must struggle in order to have value. Mm. And it just like, Mm. it's like, okay, so if I'm not struggling and suffering on some level, Mm. and you're not too... (laughs) And you're not, you know, feeling jealous about something that I'm doing. Then you're just clearly you don't care about me. And there's this whole black hole of sticky, ugly mess right there. And it's epidemic throughout the whole globe. We all like collectively, this is a massive belief that's operating in most people's conscious. I mean, it sounds to me like a like a real childhood wound. And it sounds to me like Mm. things that were taught, things that were taught through through modeling, through behaviors yes. and modeling through codependency and through like traumatic, you know, mm-hmm. relationship styles and, and uh, attachment styles that our parents carried yeah. and we learned. And so I think one of the things that's really beautiful is there's a lot of, there's a lot of treatments and there's a lot of like systems that deal with sort of like regressive therapy where yeah. you go back and you can like reframe that time in your life, mm-hmm. Re, you know, change that dynamic in yourself yeah. that you learned from your mom or your dad and just be like, done with it. Yeah. Like, it's not yours anyway, you know? And I think, what, what do you think about like the moral work like this you do? Like, I mean, I feel like it took such a pressure off of my reality when I started to actually do these things. I started to go back to this place. Yeah. But then at a certain point, I was kind of like, all right, like, what now what? <laughs> like, now, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. now I did that work, kind of. Yeah, like, yeah. I've done that work enough. Now now I can live, like, a normal existence without all these triggers all the time. Right, right, right. It's like, what, <laughs> and then it's like, what next, you know? Yeah. Like, what do you do? It's the like, right question. What do you do next? Because at that point, I feel like it's weird because cause there's so much conditioning, like you said. Mm, so and then much. when you start to decondition and decondition, I almost feel like it opens up this new conversation, which is like, so what do we, so who do we want to be? Hmm. You know, when we're finally clear of all that, yeah. that baggage and that childhood trauma, yes. who do we want to be? Like, yeah. Who are we? Yeah. And like that to me is so, is such an interesting question. 
Well, isn't that the question though, right? Yeah. And that's something I've just, it's so cool you said that because I've just recently, like last couple of weeks, mm. been really like, not wrestling with that, but that's been coming to my awareness. Mm. I've gotten, I've done so much work over so many years. I mean, constant work, like yeah. really digging deep and getting all these things. Like you said, like the regression therapy and hypnotherapy and like right, right. Uh, healing limiting beliefs and boom, like all that stuff, you know, mm. years and years and years of it. And at a certain point, you start to see like mm. a vision of those no longer being in your life. Mm. Like that just happened to me for the first time ever, maybe three, four weeks ago, something like mm. that. Wow. First time ever. I actually like imagine, cause I remember I was going through this uh, money mindset thing yeah, yeah. and they were talking about like, do you feel guilty mm. like having money? Mm. And I was like, no, I don't. I was like, I feel, I sometimes I feel shame. Right. You know, yeah. not anymore because I've done a lot of work on yeah. this recently. But yeah. at the time, I was like, no, I can feel shame for it. But that's only because people have, like, judged me a lot for having money at the time mm. and that kind of thing. So I was a specific thing. But I never felt guilty for it. Mm. And that was one of the first times somebody was like, is this something you're going through? I'm like, no, I'm good. I was like, wait a minute. Who am I if I don't have any more limiting beliefs to work on? Who am I if I'm not yeah. pouring through the books going through the therapy, doing all these things constantly. It's yeah. like, it almost becomes an identity after uh, you do it for so long. Right. The search becomes... The yes, self. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Which is ironic because... Yeah. The, that, you know, like, you, yeah, wow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's beautiful. I think that's actually... Uh, I had a similar experience with my meditation practice, I would say, mm. in that I stopped using the techniques... That are that I that I learned, you know, uh, and and some of those have been useful for my entire life, but I stopped actually listening to the voices that were teaching me to do a prescribed technique, and I started to just be in this space, so openly, mm. where I could reach that, you know, without the without even the technique. Now there's a there's a sense of transcendence that occurs. Whoa. But 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 what happens there is really bizarre, where it's like. Then the the space informs what next. What? <laughs> what? Meaning like the transcendent will literally Dude. inform the technique. And I'll start to get <laughs> like like a like a message or like my body will just start wanting to need you know, to need okay, now you need this technique, now you need this Whoa. technique, now you need and it's not even like it's not even like stuff that I know that I know sometimes. Wow. Well, it'll be like, here's a, here's a breathing technique. Okay, well, you know how to do this one. But now really dive back into the mechanics of that. And I'll do something oh, different wow. with my breathing that I've never done before. That'll be like the exact thing that I needed in the moment. Whoa. And, and what happened, it, it's been happening to me occasionally like in the mornings. And I know that there's this idea that like the, it's like uh, the law, uh, what's his name? There's a law. There's a law. It's a recent law. It's like the time expands to fill the work mm. needed. Okay, yeah. Right? I so, forgot the name of it too. Yeah, it's like Malcolm or Maxwell or something like I that. I think, yeah. I don't something remember. like that. Anyway, this has been happening to me in my, in my program, in my meditations, mm. and in my spiritual practices where I know that I have to leave at nine. I know that I have less than half an hour. And yet, I will, without even thinking about what I should or shouldn't do, I would just start doing the practice that ends exactly the like a minute before the time that I need to leave. 
and then gives me enough time Damn. to have the energy to do all the things I need to do to get out the door so that I can actually be on top of stuff. And I'm not wow. controlling this. Like right. it's yeah, literally yeah, yeah. like I've done this practice, these practices a long time. And now they're just like, they are doing me. Like these practices, oh my God. practices are doing this body so that I can, you know, have enough energy and momentum to like, just to, just to get me to the end of the day. So and then I'm ready for the next one. So you say a long time. What's What's been a long time for you? Like how long have you been doing uh, these practices? Well, I I mean, so I've been meditating since te- age 10. Whoa. Uh, Transcendental meditation. Damn. But then I, I got my yoga teacher training course, which is the huge, that was sort of like, that was like the compound interest of yoga for me. Like that added so Whoa. many tools to my toolkit. And before that, it was like TM, TM cities, self-inquiry, um, I had three healing certificates, like like light, like uh, quantum light weaving is one of them. Oh, wow. Um Ni, which is like a Atlantean form of Native American shamanic healing, which deals awesome. with yeah, it's pretty cool. I want to hear more about that. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, and so I, I I was trained in those, and then um, and then I sort of I used them a lot when I first learned them, and then I just sort of let them go. And I was like, okay, they served a very good purpose. I was, I helped a lot of people. I would travel. In that time. Yeah, for like a year, wow. you know, six months, whatever. Uh, different for different practices. And then I started the yoga thing. And that has been mind-blowing because it adds, like, yoga, for me, adds practices. It, like, it's, it's, it's a, it, it never ends. Meaning, like, I, my practice will change day to day depending on what I need. But depending on what I need, I'm literally going to learn new things and new skills and new new techniques. As I'm doing my practice, it'll inform Whoa. me. It'll be like, okay, now you need to do this other pose or you need to do this practice because you're you're on that path. And I keep thinking, I keep hearing this like, you need to like listen. You need to listen. Hmm. So in my practices, like my yoga practices, I started in 2000. 13, 12 or 13. And then I did five years. I did five years of Ashtanga yoga, um, pranayama and, uh, and like research, like studying the texts, the texts. Oh, okay. But like not, not, not as rigorously as my physical practice. Hmm. Um, and then, so I did that for five years and then I sort of had a, I hit a threshold where I like couldn't add any more physical I was, I was like, my body was at max, mm-hmm. so I couldn't yeah. add any more. So I actually took away and I simplified my practice down to like half an hour. So my physical mm-hmm. practice went from two hours down to half an hour. Whoa. And then I did that. I, I, sometimes my two hour practice I do every day for like weeks and then I would just stop. I would do it once a week. I would do it twice a week. Mm-hmm. But it was a lot. And then I got it down to 30 minutes. And I, I still do that every day. Nice. Like I just do not, that, that time. Yeah. And I, I do not like give that time away like that's just mm. like my time nice and that half an hour gets so much integration and so much like stuff happening for me that i don't really need a whole lot more that's a clear boundary for you yeah love yeah. it yeah i don't want like a three-hour yoga practice a day i mean i yeah. could and you said you don't give that time away no, under any circumstance no, no. Yeah, yeah, that is yeah. not okay yeah, yeah to yeah, give yeah. that it's clear yeah it's set yeah yeah it has to be something once a day that 30 minute chunk will have the time to like fill with those specific practices. And sometimes it's literally just taking like, like lying down and like just lying with my palms open yeah. and just like receiving that energy and cycling it, circling it through my body. 
I'm like, that's exactly what I need, you know? Mm. And other times it's different, yeah. So I keep hearing that. You like, what I keep hearing you saying with your meditation practice, with yeah. yoga, with mm. like all of these experiences, mm. it's become like, so everybody talks a lot about the, the term infinite intelligence, mm. you know, mm. or the, uh, the infinite field of consciousness, mm-hmm. all these kind of things. But mm-hmm. the, the whole idea mm. is a lot of people reference it as being this literally intelligent field of infinite stuff you know and intellectually that's super interesting you know studying it reading about it like those kinds of things are really fun to to think about and talk about and try to like embrace but it sounds like what i'm hearing is you're literally experiencing Mm -hmm. the intelligence of this field Mm -hmm. through this practice i mean like the actual information that was not a part of your awareness is coming to you yeah yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, that's incredible. Like, yeah. that's in my in my experience and people I've known around me. Yeah, actually, like living that yeah. has been such a rare thing. Yeah. I mean, how long has that been happening? Oh yeah, I would say for probably for the last. I would say for the last two or three years. Two or three years. I okay. did about five years of this of this rigorous stuff, which regrew my body. I went from like one forty. Like 140 pounds, 135. How tall are you? Uh, six foot. Whoa, okay, yeah. so that's like, whoa. I was in a really bad place for whoa. a couple of years. Before I started this yoga practice, I got really sick. Whoa. Really sick. Really? I had, yeah, I was down to 140. I had uh, walking pneumonia. I had black mold in my lungs. Good gosh. Pathogens, parasites from three different, like like foreign like other countries meaning like they weren't able to deal with those in this country because it's a completely different ecosystem and biology so they didn't have like proper treatments for those yeah especially back then we're talking like almost 10 years ago right Mm, Uh, so i mean they didn't even know like microbiome stuff was just starting to come out that research like they didn't even they didn't even talk about that they're like you need to take antibiotics and that's it that's all we can do i was like dude that will kill me that'll literally kill me like i knew i would not come back from that Whoa, so I really? went down this huge rabbit hole of research on my own, trying to figure out what the hell is going on. Wow. And I did a lot of healing work and all this stuff. And so, so since then, it's been like probably like five years of healing and training and getting back to my body's normal state of functioning. And then another mm-hmm. two or three years of just like easing off a little bit and like, tr- like testing out different things. Like, okay, well, let's try this practice. I don't really need that as much. I'll do that once a week. Or okay, I don't really need that. You know, I can I can replace it with something else. So mm. two or three years of that, and so I think probably since two thousand eighteen, maybe even two thousand seventeen, I've been having these experiences where I'm more like the practice is living through me. It's not I am doing Whoa. the practice. And That's if I even so, oh, wow. I have to stop myself sometimes <laughs> from 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 going and just doing. Because if I let myself just be a doer, that it won't happen. But there's like a feeling. Mm. There's a feeling response in my body, which is like somewhere here <laughs> in my <Yeah>. head space <laughs> where it, it's, it's magnetic. Where I know the moment that I need to Whoa. stop everything and just put my attention on uh, a practice. Like I'll, I'll go and just do yoga. But I, I, I know that if I don't listen to that, it'll get, it'll get less strong over time. Yeah. eventually disappear and so that's why i've been struggling with this class is because i am oh, yeah. so about that. all day every day i am mm-hmm. you know like I, I try i'm trying to give my absolute most in this course and therefore i'm not able to listen 
when it's time to listen as much. And it's replaced mm-hmm. again by structure. It's replaced again by TM 15 oh, minutes, wow. three times a day, which I've been, I haven't done like just meditation like that in probably like five years. Like Whoa. I do so many different practices and so many different oh, wow. meditations. Yeah. Um, that I don't even use the technique. And so like going back into mm. the technique with, in this way has been actually very, it's stirred up a lot. You know, it's brought me back really? to a place where like, yeah, where I've actually been like feeling the power of it, but also being like, oh my God, I can't wait until I have like, you know, two hours to devote to my own practice. <laughs> because I don't know what that's going to look like. Oh, now. wow. Yeah. Because I've been off it for a bit mm-hmm. for like, it's kind of like since the beginning, of course, I've been. You know, one, once in a while, it's just been a, it's a different journey right now for me. And instead of my practice, I'm doing aware mindfulness, you know, everything without everything. I'm oh, doing. really? Yeah. Okay. So deep mindfulness every day from the morning, from the very beginning of the morning, mm-hmm. when I start, you know, planning for the day's assignment, planning for the checking on, you know, stuff like that, what I need to do till like 3 p.m. And then I just, I just check out. I'm just like, I'm out, go to nature, go mm. to start receiving information, go, to, go be with other, you know, other people or like just hold that space of like, I'm accountable till 3 p.m. And then I'm out and then I oh, do I anything that. I want for the, <laughs> yeah. like pretty much the rest of the day until yeah. I need to grade people's shit at like in the evenings. Yeah, yeah. So wow, that's been my routine for a while. So I feel like this yeah. is so common too with yeah. like people in general because especially like this country and like basically like the u.s and europe you know especially because we're like incredibly monochronic cultures Mm. um which means like the task at hand and the you know the job is what's most important Mm -hmm. rather than connection and community Mm -hmm. which is the rest of the planet but that's another topic (laughs) it's a good topic it is um but what i'm hearing you say is like you've been able to really focus on these like huge practices tapping into you know the biggest most powerful source of creation ever like that's intense incredibly powerful shit yeah and then now that you're off of it yeah it's like literally like a little a little hiatus from that yeah i mean what's it like do you still get downloads do you still like get you know direction is has it become quieter like you said like it's like what's what's it like now? Because there's so many doers in the world. Yeah, that that's their entire lives. Right. And so now that you're like, mm-hmm. you had all that, and you're kind of like back in the land of the of the, you know, yeah. nine to five people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what what's it like being here again? Like what was what what oh, you man. know? It's a that's a great question. Actually, it's really good. I I think for me, what it is is another practice, and it's Whoa. a practice of being willing to recognize that there's a time and a place for everything and that if i'm if i'm honest i can a little bit see into the future and see that the value of what i'm doing right now and is not going to last forever and in fact it's going to amplify my desire to go inward and my desire to reestablish my practice that much deeper in my life so that if i were to do this again yeah i would be able to do both Ooh, because right now I'm at max capacity with teaching, you know, and like staying on that ideal routine and all that. Yeah. And I do usually. Um, and so I, when I was in grad school, I was doing that. And when I was living in New York, I was doing that. 
but that's because I was just coming out of my yoga teacher training. Mm. I was 10 hours a day. I'd do two hours of yoga practice every day to blanket, you know, the beginning, first hour of my day, last hour of my day, and then I'd work from sunup and sundown. And I, would, I did that every day for like three months in, in New York, right? Wow. And then I did the same thing in India, except there was no work. It was all yoga. Oh, whoa, And that blew whoa. me open to a whole dimension of, of that sort of lifestyle. And then, and now I'm on the opposite side of it where it's all work. And I have very, very little bandwidth to right. do my practices unless I were to wake up at five, six in the morning. Real quick, when yeah, you yeah. say yoga, yeah. I know that a lot of times people will think that yoga is just like moving and stretching. <laughs> like when you say yoga and when you've re- referenced it these times, what do you mean? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> um, okay, so yoga means integration. Okay. And yoga is the integration of all dynamic aspects of, of life with the silent, ever-present, non-changing focal point of, of, of consciousness, which is the, basically the Shiva quality of, eternal, of eter- eternity. It's that silent witnessing quality that exists always. So yoga is integration of of that, that silence okay. with that infinite shakti moving changeable, you know, um, dynamism, you know, success, making it in the world. Like those two mm. fused together is mm. yoga. But in fact, yoga oh. asana, the word asana yeah. means the dance of the infinite. So you're cool. literally <laughs> dancing with that infinite intelligence through your body. Oh, I love it. Expressing through these different <laughs> mudras or positions. Okay. Holding these positions. Like full in your body, body mudras. Full body mudras. Not baby. just the hands. No, man. You're like, <laughs> yeah. you hold that pose and that energy is channeling and flowing through you in a Whoa. way that is specifically targeted to unlock different qualities of intelligence in the body since the beginning of humanity. Okay. So Shiva was the first yogi, and he brought out the system of yoga mm-hmm. for all of humanity through a very interesting story, which we won't cover here because Hindu mythology is very long very and extraordinarily <laughs> expansive. But yeah. essentially yoga, when I mean yoga, is like it's the fusion of um, that ever-present witnessing silent aspect, which so few people have understanding of in the West. Mm. Yeah. And yet need more than ever, yep. which I think is why it's here, which yeah. I think why, is the, why there is a blossoming of this in the, in the Western cultures, yeah. um, which is fascinating. And then I also think it's, it's the, the... Lotus in the mud. Yeah. And it's the fusion of that with the, the supercharged physicality, you know, sensual world, the, the, the tangible reality. Mm-hmm. Like it's those two combined in the most harmony possible. So for me, yoga means... All, any and all practices that give you access to integrate, and most of the time they're, they're yin or they're, silent, they're more silent mm-hmm. practices to integrate with our more active, you know, wildish, like... The yang. The yang. They're like super externalized, like, like it's just got like this tangible nature to it, right? Well, that's mm-hmm. the reality that we see today. It's like we need more of those practices. But it's the, it's the culmination of both of those. So there's eight limbs of yoga. Each one has a very specific, like, uh, asana practice. The physical asana practice is one. One limb of yoga. Mm. Pranayama, the breathing aspect, is another limb of yoga. Meditation is another limb of yoga. Mm. And then there's self-inquiry. 
Oh, wow. And then there's yamas and niyamas, which are like lifestyle choices and practices and the ways in which you live. Oh, wow. Right? And then there's um, pratyahara and dhyana. Like there's, you know, there's just all these layers to, to the limbs of yoga that encompass the full spectrum of life. Way beyond just like looking good on a on a yoga mat and right. getting, getting your sweat on, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, sure. That can be yoga. Yeah. That's not omitted from yoga practice. No. It certainly really. does not encompass all of what yoga embodies. And from what it sounds like, that's approximately one eighth. Maybe. <laughs> if, even if even if it's done correctly, it's it's still uh, only one eighth. Yeah. 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 That's right. Wow. That's amazing because I mean, the the whole the word yoga, like especially yeah. in the West, I mean it means just the physical, yeah, you know, part of it, yeah. And so, wow, man, I know. that's awesome. And that's not even the the physical part. It's like they're not even really <laughs> they're not doing, even <laughs> they're not even really doing the integrated physical part of yoga. I mean, a lot of them are. There, okay. There's some really good. There's some really good. Uh, there's some really good studios and really good teachers out there now, but. Mm. Um, but the majority of the misunderstanding is the sim is similar to the misunderstanding of tantra, which is very really? yes, because tantra, be in of itself, in and of itself, is about is about increasing the sensitivities to the subtle realms of life, the subtlest realms of life. So it's about increasing your okay. receptivity and and senses to be able to engage in perceive, cultivate, uh, and I would say worship okay. all of life, all the subtle realms of life. It has really? nothing to do with intercourse and nothing to do with sexual tantric yoga practices until Wait. you until you go, <laughs> until you go way into it. So that's like it. it's a ritual. It's a ritualistic system wow. of Tantra, the original system of Tantra yeah. comes from like the ball the old, the really, really old Indian traditions of like, almost like, it's it's getting to the point where it's almost like seen as dark, like darker magic, mm. like darker Hindu magic, which is like using certain um, cultish practices to actually uh, increase energies in your in yourselves and in the, in the environment with a very specific tangible result in mind, hmm. meaning you're actually doing it with a particular intention and the the intimacy intercourse part like that does come into play on some level but it's very much the it's not the foundation of tantra wow at all so this is like you say this is exactly like yeah. yoga yes it's like okay sure yeah those poses do have their place but it's such a small minuscule part of what it really is yes to even label it as that yes. would be beyond an injustice, a disservice. Yeah, yeah. Wow. I mean, I, I'll admit my ignorance of Tantra. Oh, it's, I it's had no idea. I mean, I thought it was just like an incredibly spiritual connectedness to that intelligence, that mm -hmm. higher intelligence, um, with intercourse being its core element of it. So mm -hmm. I was completely like ignorant to what it really is at all. Yeah. So that's amazing. That's fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, when I learned, I was, I was, I have one initiation on ta about Tantra, which I'll say this. <laughs> it takes all of your awareness and attention and, and, and energy to be in a Tantric ritual, to be in a space where you're holding that dynamic. But 
And, and there is some something to that, like the way in which they bring awareness to sensuality and they bring all these ritualistic elements into intercourse is actually a tantric idea. Mm-hmm. But the way in which I was initiated into tantra, you can do it by yourself. You can do it with a group. You can do it with another person. But there's very, very specific practices that go mm. into opening yourself up to these these energies and 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 uh, and subtle realities and intelligences that you can reach a level of ecstasy and and feeling of that like unification mm-hmm. with divine without needing to touch or feel anyone or anything. Whoa. And that's what it's about. That's what's about. That's what's really. That's going what tantra is about. Wow. It's about like. It's like unification with the divine through ritual, through intentionality, and through a, a certain key practices. And um, and it takes a long time. It takes a lot of patience. You know, it can take six, hmm. six seven, eight hours in a single ritual. Whoa, in a day. really? Yeah, to go through like the whole thing. Sure. I mean, we were trained in it wow. and we were encouraged to do it. But it was something that you actually needed a lot of resources. You need to like have all these specific things prepared. There's herbs. There's you know ingredients. There's certain kinds of flowers and fruits and mm. and all sorts of things. And in order wow. to actually do the ritual, it can take up to like three hours just to do the ritual. Whoa! So just the ritual itself. Yeah. And then wow. And and then there's other parts of it. And then you're saying like, you have to have like absolute like pure focus and awareness and holding that for that long yeah yeah oh that's intense yeah that's like why i think they wow that's why they they applied it to sex because it's so it's so amazing in that area they just Mm. applied those same principles and the ideas and philosophies to you know intercourse and then it makes it a tantric practice right rather than the other way around rather than the other way around oh oh that's amazing yeah it's like, wow, okay. Uh, so Tantra is this big thing that was applied to sex yes. rather than yes, 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 some sort of spiritual sexual practice yeah. is Tantra. It's, exactly. it's the inverse. It, yeah, and also even, wow. I would even go as far as to say like the the temple arts that people refer to in like Hindu Tantra when they say, well, look at these statues. Like they're doing all these crazy poses and they're fucking and it's yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. what is that? You know, right. obviously this is what Tantra is, right? Right. But the Tantric temples were were like sites for ecstasy no matter what. Whether you're single, whether you're a widow, whether you're married, whether you know what I mean? Like mm. it's your it's your space to engage with reality and have intercourse with unification with God itself. Oh wow. Like through <laughs> or through those spaces, through those yeah. temples that were built. So I think that those those statues were actually metaphors for mm. the gods and goddesses, you know, having this sort of intercourse with you know, like, or like mankind having intercourse with, with, you know, men and women, uh, with the divine rather than it just being about humans who are able to have really good sex. Like, (laughs) I don't really think that that's what taught, like there was, there was, there were meaning by those statues or those texts. Those were certainly people who were like, we're going to do that. We're going to take that and we're going to, we're going to have that. We're going to apply it to that. Yeah. Which is fine and awesome. But I, I, it's, it's a little sad that kind of like the origins of these of these depths of these teachings were like sort of a little like extra like they extract you know mm, kind of like what, cheapened yeah like a lot yeah. of what what it is is a sort of westernization which is like a little bit more watered down yeah. to give to people so but but still 
it's getting them on the path. Mm. That's the cool part. Oh, interesting. You know, it's not, it's not lost on deaf ears, mm. but it's not the wholeness either. But it's giving right. them something. And giving people something, that's, that's, that's still a gateway yeah. to, to, to something much greater. I mean, you have to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere, man. But that's so interesting, too, because with, like, with those statues, mm. that really shows, like, because, I mean, really, sex is literally just the physical act of unification. Absolutely. Which is Absolutely. the whole point of all of these, these practices is, is this idea of oneness with all things. Yeah. And sex is the most obvious, sure. tangible, physical representation that we as humans have. For sure. Of literal unification. You literally become one. Yes. In a certain in ways. And, yes. the, the, and, of course, all the energy and the ecstasy involved with yeah. that. And so those statues seem to be something that a lot of people with the western mind mm. and have bought into a lot of religious ideas that mm. sex is taboo and sex is bad and evil and things they're judging it through such a removed paradigm yeah that it's not even applicable anymore right. to the origin of it it's like right. those statues were erect when that sort of thing was not taboo it's like exactly actually guys this is the best way we can show it yeah. with physical stuff which yeah. is a statue yeah. that we can think of yeah so yeah, how else would you, yeah. how would you do it? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how would you yeah. paint this? No, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so it's like obvious when you take away any of the taboo from it. And I will, I'll, I'll add that I don't think it's removed, I don't think it's removed from sex. I think sex is an important part of the tantric, mm. of the tantricas, of that sort of, there is a whole separate, you know, conversation to be had about the, the actual like consorts of gods how they had like you know these these multiple often deity women partners mm -hmm. so they would actually have these uh you know these incredible female companions who essentially were goddesses in themselves and had their own kind of archetypes and their own energies and there were certainly that was certainly they were never without them you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. they were always like almost every god has like a consort has a balanced opposite a balanced counterpart yeah. It's very rare that you'll find one who does not have one. So, so my, my, what I'm trying to say is that it's not like you can remove, it's like you can't remove sex from Tantra, but it's not the be-all, end-all, and it's not the mm. only thing. And that's the misconception, Right. is that people think it's only about that. Yeah. And it's so much more, but that's not to say that it's, 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 it's not wrong to say that Tantra is about sex. It's just Tantra is mm. about life. Tantra is about life. Tantra is all of it. It's just we want to say, well, what's what's oh, the scary. most intense, pleasurable experience of unification and 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 deification of mm. of our own sensual bodies? Well, that's sex. So we're going to use that yeah. as the example, and and we're going to go really heavy into that, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden that becomes tantra, because that's what people like. I don't know. Like, it's bizarre to me. It's like somehow you just lost that little bit of like, it's that, but it's also a lot more. It's like yoga. It's like, yeah, sure. It's stretching and it's moving your body and you get stronger doing it. But there's a lot more to yoga than just stretching and moving your body. You know, like, I don't know where people got off on and lost that whole, that, that wholeness. Yeah. It's just really interesting. Good stuff, man. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for thanks for joining me on this. This is amazing. What a great way to start.
Good. Know, this is a lot of fun. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I'd like to have like a part two or three. Yeah. <laughs> this, yeah. Is, this is great. Yeah. This is a lot of fun. Yeah, dude. I love that. I, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. Cool. Um, yeah. Nice, man. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is, uh, where do we find this? I feel like people want to listen to your stuff and all that. Like, yeah. Um, where do they go? I mean, it's the, it's the search for truth on all the platforms. Cool. Uh, what's really cool about the hosting site is it uploaded to everything automatically. Yeah. Like things I've never heard of. So it's on Spotify, iTunes. It's going to be everywhere. Stitcher, mm-hmm. it's, uh, chat box or cat. There's so many. Cast box. There's yeah. so many. I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it's on all of them. Nice. So that's where you can find it. Yeah. Sweet. All right, man. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I, I can't wait to hear it. Can't yeah. wait to listen. Thanks, man. Thank you.